Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Zach Payne of Red Pill 78. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. It just seems like everybody is so wound up in the idea that Ukraine is some victimless um, you know, nation that's just been attacked by Russia. And Russia, regardless of you know reality, is supposed to be our enemy. And so if you say anything positive about Russia or counteract this narrative that Ukraine has been blamelessly attacked, then you're going to catch heat for whatever reason. Tonight, Patriots, we have Zach from Red Pill 78, and if you don't follow him, he is one of the great truth-tellers of our time. I'm honored to have him as a friend, and we're going to get into that interview in just a minute. Before we begin tonight, Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, expeditioncoffee.com. That's the home of the Bars Nation branded coffee. It's the coffee literally for our time and for the warriors of this time, it was designed strategically to give you that boost of energy you need and a sustained energy across the entire day, also by maintaining mental clear focus. It's also part of a whole health ecosystem, all products designed to boost your, your immune system. Those products can be found at Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. You head on over there, you're going to see the coffee, the Expedition Coffee. You're also going to see the Gut Health Triad a mixture of three products that helps heal and seal your gut. Gut health is one of the critical areas of unhealthy Americans. We also have Immune XP, an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. There's also Earth. Earth is a nutrient supplement for the body. It's one scoop mixed with water, drink it like a shake. It's all the nutrients your body needs for the full day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market. Pure 47 can isolate the pathogens that come into your body, help boost your immune system, and overall, when these all work together, these products come together to create a whole health ecosystem that helps reclaim your health sovereignty. So head on over to Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com and check it out. Also, MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation landing page on the MyPillow site. That's for all Bards Nation and all the great featured sales are right there. Our dollars matter where we place. That's a form of vote. And where we vote with our dollars is also about shaping a future. Mike Lindell is a Christian patriot, fights for liberty, and he's leading a company that truly, as a pillow company, has led one of the greatest fights to save our nation in our history. So check it out. And we need to support this company. So check it out. Expedition, or not Expedition, MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com. Head on over, use your Bards code. There's all sorts of great sales going on right now, including the pillows for $19.98. You've got my slippers for 50% off, men's and women's sleepwear, 50% off. We also have Giza sheets for as low as 60% off. It's all fantastic, and many, many more savings across the entire site. So check it out. You can use your Bards promo code anywhere on the My Pillow site 
on the My Store site and on the frankspeech.com site. So again, mypillow.com forward slash bards, promo code bards. All right, Patriots, tonight we've got a great guest. Before we get there, I just want to highlight a couple of things in today's news. Ukraine is shaping up as part of the Great Reset as more companies try to peel out of Russia and literally are peeling out. Car manufacturers are pulling out of Russia. Russia is going on to its own Internet tomorrow, and that's going to kick off. And so they are getting ready to shift away from the global Internet and go into somewhat of an isolated Internet. I don't know much more about it. I'm digging on that now. We have a lot of things happening. The one I can tell you is this. As Russia announces that it's found the U.S. biological weapons, the U.S. is doubling down on its insistency of trying to pull out of Russia. I've said before, it looks pretty much like the U.S. dollar has died, and this is just a cover. This whole event is a cover as the world is weaned off of a dead Fed dollar as they get prepared to roll out a new digital currency. We are getting on, we are being set up for the Great Reset, and the Great Reset's not going to be like anything we've ever seen. I don't know to what magnitude, but it will be unforgettable at the end of this time. And the real question is, which direction do we go? If people are going to kowtow to these elites, they're going to be force-fed their free garbage, then we're going to be in a real challenge. Now, as we start to talk about Ukraine tonight, because Zach and I do talk quite a bit about Ukraine, I want you to hear this piece. It's 44 seconds. I'm going to tell you it's kind of hard to understand at the beginning, but listen closely. This is how they're setting things up in re- in Ukraine to put in play the full measures of the Great Reset. Resume police producing. The state needs resume police producing. The state needs your help today more than ever. I call on all Ukrainians. The war was a shock for all of us. Many have lost their jobs, homes, savings, but state to defend Ukraine. Today the state will stand by you. On behalf of the president of Ukraine, from next week an updated program of e-support will begin to work. Under this program, every employee, every individual entrepreneur who lost his job during the war will receive 6,500 hymnes. The program will work by analogy with payments with vaccination. That is with the help of the DIA application, the Ministry of Digital Transformation will provide the details how exactly to apply for assistance. But this is for now. So you heard that. So they're taking the people that lost their jobs in Ukraine. They're rolling out a UBI, universal basic income of 6500 whatever that is that they're paying them. And the requirements to get payment is to get vaccinated with a digital ID. So I suspect we're going to see this happen in many different forms of the same way. Ukraine uses crisis. People, they, they themselves waged war on their own citizens. It wasn't Russia. And in doing so, they're now leveraging the desperation to put people in a place where people will actually willfully accept a UBI. You've heard me talk about this over and over. The importance of having food and supplies necessary for about a year. This is really serious here. This is how they're going to play this. And they're going to try to force that UBI onto the public. Once they get you there, they got you. Like a little mouse trap. Except you aren't going to get out of it. Yeah, I don't think a mouse does either. It snaps and breaks its neck. That's pretty much the same thing. We're probably going to see $10 a gallon gas before this is over. Get prepared for that. And they're enjoying squeezing everybody. These Luciferian turds are 
enjoying every moment of your pain. So don't give them pain. Work together. Start laughing about, enjoy some of this time. Witness what God's giving us and God's God's giving us is transparency. So enough of me. Let's get into this great interview with Zach Payne. 53 minutes of what I think is a really enjoyable discussion with one of the best truth tellers out there. So here we go. Let me introduce Jack, Zach Payne. Patriots, I'm really honored to have a good friend and what I consider to be one of the top truth tellers out there, and you all know who he is. This is Zach Payne, Red Pill 78. He has been one of the constant voices out there of reason in this entire fight of information war, and I've had the absolute honor to get to know Zach over the last few years, and it's always an honor to have you on the show. So, Zach, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. Well, Scott, first of all, let me say thank you very, very much for that kind introduction. It's my pleasure to be here on your show because I feel the exact same way about you. And uh, yeah, it's an honor to be here with you and your audience once again. Well, it's really, it's really awesome. So, Zach, you've been through quite a few changes since we last or first talked, I guess would be the way of saying it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plenty, plenty. Um, I am now a full-time resident of the state of Florida, which is totally awesome. Um, Lisa, rental girlfriend, and I uh, moved down here in November of last year. And uh, I have to say, it's probably one of the better decisions I've made in my adult life. <laughs> Florida is, uh, is great. You know, I mean, I love the climate. I love being close to the beach. Uh, all the people that I've met are just awesome. Well, I guess maybe with the exception of like one or two, but an overwhelming majority of the people that I've met have been totally like just keyed into the way things work. I, I don't have any reservations about telling anybody what I do. Uh, you know, back in Michigan and to a lesser degree in Ohio, Ohio was pretty cool, but definitely back in Michigan, uh, there was a lot of hostility towards anybody in the Patriot community. And down here, it just seems like everybody's on the same page and people are just interested in living their lives, uh, you know, being free. They don't want to be told what to do. They're comfortable making adult decisions and doing what they think are right for them. And they're not interested in, in being dictated to by the nanny state. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, two huge life events right there. And, you know, we're moving towards, um, you know, eventually getting married and, uh, you know, truly, you know, consecrating this union. And, uh, yeah, and, and the channel's been doing good. Uh, it has obviously been quite the slog for the last couple of months, I think, for a lot of people. But. It, it feels in certain ways like things are digressing, but then in other ways it also feels like uh, they're, they're moving in the right direction. So, uh, you know, take the good, you take the bad. Oh, absolutely. Well, you also were deplatformed off of Twitch, right? Just recently. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that one. That was so fresh. Yeah. Just a couple of days ago, last week, uh, I was literally about to go live. It was last Thursday. And, um, yeah, I was, I was prepping the show and my, my co-host and I were, were in the, the pre-show and I get this email from Twitch, an automated email. And it says, you know, the removal from the partner program and due to multiple infractions that you've been warned about, you are no longer going to be allowed to be on Twitch and your account is permanently disabled. And I went to, and I looked and my account was still there. 
and I was about to go live. So I said, you know, let's just try it. And so I went live and I was live for about two minutes and I was able to tell the people who were there that my account had just been deleted and they should probably find another platform to watch me on. And then I just watched as it blinked out of existence. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. I guess I'm pretty used to getting deplatformed at this point. I, uh, I, I'm frankly astounded that I was able to remain on Twitch as long as I did. Um, uh, and, and afterwards, I, I was able to find several articles from just the, the, the classic offenders. And, and Alex Kaplan from Media Matters was out there crowing about it, uh, talking about how he had helped to get me deplatformed from yet another place. And uh, there was uh, several video game websites that I don't follow, but because Twitch was primarily when it began uh, a place for people to stream themselves playing video games, they were reporting on it. And there was a number of other people who were deleted at the exact same time. It wasn't anything close to what happened to everybody on YouTube, but I guess there was about a hundred channels, some that I was familiar with, some that I wasn't, but they said that I was like fomenting violence and telling people to drink bleach and, um, you know, making claims about uh, the election, stuff like that, you know, just the, the normal the normal things they, they like to blame people for, even though, you know, I mean, I, ne- I never told anybody to, to drink bleach and I, I never told anybody to commit acts of violence. It's uh, it's pretty preposterous on its face. Well, it's anything they can use to silence this movement right now. And it's not just the movement as it was, there's such an expansion of the awakening, this latest release from Pfizer mm-hmm. and the court order release has really had quite an effect. I mean, I don't know how you're seeing it, but I'm seeing this thing percolate up in the strangest of places, meaning it's moving and it's moving fast and people are literally printing it out and reading it. And it's, that's going to cause a little bit of shakeup. I suspect. I tend to agree with you. And, um, you know, what really, uh, I, I thought was the, the funniest about the whole thing was the manner in which the, the mainstream media was trying to spin this list of, of potential side effects. And <laughs> I saw this one article and it was like, you know, no, Pfizer did not release like eight pages of, uh, of side effects from the vaccine. What these are is actually potential side effects that might occur. And I was like, aren't those the, the two exact same things? Like it's, it's not just that these are side effects that you're going to get. I mean, these are side effects that you may experience if you take this vaccine. And it, and in quite a few cases, I mean, it's almost guaranteed. I mean, it, I think in the end, the people who have taken the vaccine are probably going to not survive. And I hate to say that because I've had a lot of people uh, that I, you know, that I know have had to take the vaccine or I'm sorry, they capitulated. I'm going to be honest. They, they felt they needed to take the vaccine or they have family members who took the vaccine. I just did uh, my, my first video, or the, I guess my second video, the video I just released. There was a Swedish study that was done and released on the 25th of, uh, of February. And in that study, this Swedish research team at like University of Malmo or something like that, they found that the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, the mRNA, converted to DNA inside your liver once it gets inside your body within six hours of you taking the jab, and then it embeds itself within the nucleus of your cells. So effectively, they are rewriting 
your natural human DNA with this stuff. And along with that comes a whole host of the side effects that we've seen. Uh, autoimmune disorders, you know, uh, autoimmune-induced hepatitis and AIDS, cancers, uh, miscarriage. Like, you, you just, you name it. I mean, it's a ton of stuff that's on that document from Pfizer. I, you know, I don't know how people can ignore it at this point. I don't either. And it's really interesting to watch how the media platforms are managing to still deplatform mm-hmm. because it's there. I think they've used this Ukraine thing as kind of the back door to platforming, deplatforming. And yeah. just because they can then claim that people are talking against the Ukraine narrative are trying to perpetuate lies or violence. But the real motive, I think, is all towards the, the injection and the knowledge of what Pfizer just dropped. My personal opinion. What do you think? No, no, I, I agree with you, you know, and I mean, it, it gets even more twisted when you learn about the biological research facilities, the bio labs there in Ukraine that are allegedly being run by Dr. Fauci and Equal Health Alliance in the exact same way that they were running them in, uh, in Wuhan, China, um, Metabiota being involved in both Ukraine and in Wuhan. Uh, the same types of uh, research and practices taking place there, research on deadly pathogens, plague, anthrax, E. coli, you name it. You know, I, I mean, they can't afford for this stuff to come out because if people accept that the U.S. government was building funding and running biological weapons facilities in Ukraine and it looks too similar to what happened in Wuhan, well, well, then people are going to start asking questions. And if they get rid of people right now, then it, it creates a, a vacuum of information. And the only people that are going to be out there are the same morons that were present in the wake of everything that broke on COVID-19. And the, with the people like us being deplatformed and, and taken out uh, early on before we even got to this point. That's one of the big things on this is so stunning. And you just made the linkage I've talked quite a bit, bit about on the show is the idea that we were actually inside China in the mm-hmm. Wuhan area. And why I bring this up, because obviously we're good partners with Taiwan, mm-hmm. supposedly. There's now We've now learned that there are bio level four labs in Taiwan. And Wuhan used to be the hub or the center point after Mao took over of where the nationalists, which was Chiang Kai-shek, that's where they migrated to. So there was a deep inter, uh, interconnectivity between Taiwan and Wuhan that we haven't really deeply explored yet. And that now begs the question of how did we get our funding into the Wuhan area while we also were doing funding in Taiwan? And there's a lot of questions about this. And like you say, when you start to map this out, this is looking darker and dirtier all the time. And we are definitely not coming out to be the good guy in this. No, no, not at all. I mean, the United States is, is looking more and more like the evil empire every day. And that, that's a difficult pill for people to swallow, you know, but I, I guess a, a long time ago, I kind of gave up on the idea that we were just the good guys. You know, I mean, like there's so many different factors at play here, so many different opposing viewpoints in different teams. I mean, the United States federal bureaucracy is a freaking behemoth at this point. And there's so many different opposing interests. If I had to guess on how we were getting money into, uh, into China, I mean, think about how much, uh, you know, how many U S dollars are flowing into and out of China on a daily basis. I mean, think about how many like Chinese oligarchs are doing business here in America, how many 
uh, powerful people send their children here to put them through school and then bring them back to China. I mean, keeping that door for trade and business open allows for massive payments that have plausible reasons for being sent. And I would have to say the intelligence community is probably have a huge presence over in China. I mean, not in the same way that, you know, I, I really don't know what the situation is with uh, like U.S. embassies over there. I, I would imagine that whatever exists is probably tightly regulated, controlled and watched by the Chinese Communist Party. We probably don't have as much freedom of movement as we would in like a, a Western nation. But there have got to be rogue elements of the intelligence community that are working tightly hand in hand with elements of the CCP with the ability to move about freely and uh, to run whatever operations they need. And I, I'm, I'm sure that money is just coming and going, flowing all the time. And, you know, the, what we saw with uh, Wuhan specifically, uh, grants, that's a huge one right there. Scientific grants going to organizations, whether it's EcoHealth Alliance or whether it's going directly to research scientists that are uh, employed by the Wuhan Institute of Virology, or even Chinese citizens that are working at U.S. research institutions, uh, taking grant money from the federal government and private institutions and funneling it over to China or doing research here for the United States and then funneling their research back over to China so that the dirty work doesn't even have to be done there. You know, they're the, 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 the EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Daszak and Anthony Fauci, I mean, they were sending all kinds of money to Wuhan and it was totally on the up and up on the book. Everybody knew about it. I mean, you're in the government, you knew about it and, uh, and there's no problem, you know? So th th I'm sure there's any number of clandestine methods for, uh, for, for getting additional monies over there. Black money. Well, you know, this is very much like James Bond Spectra. Seriously, I mean, this is like a, a super uh, organization above all others that have been interconnected with the rogue elements of intelligence, like you're saying, the, the corporate uh, interconnectivity between uh, different corporations and their sub-departments. It really is a, a cabal of sorts that has created this internet interconnectivity across the globe, which is a criminal network. And I think ultimately most of that hubbing, as we're seeing, is centered on Ukraine absolutely centered on Ukraine. You know, you just think about just the, the open deals that the Biden administration was doing over there. And, uh, and then I just realized this today, Scott, but apparently Ukraine has, uh, they have no problem with dual citizenship for people within their government. And if you look at a lot of the high level people in the Ukrainian government, a lot of them have American citizenship. And so, uh, you know, that creates an interesting dynamic there. Uh, and then throw in the United States uh, deals with the DOD and the Ukrainian government to have these biological weapons facilities there. And who knows what other kind of infrastructure they may be running. But the Ukrainian government has been a hub for human trafficking, drug trafficking, money laundering. You got Igor Kolomoisky, who was essentially the money man behind Zelensky. Uh, putting him into power. We just heard recently that Zelensky has like a $35 million mansion down here in Florida and a Costa Rican bank account with a billion dollars in it that was provided by Kolomoisky. He embezzled $5.5 billion 
from a Ukrainian bank, money from the Ukrainian people. I mean, all of the aid money that gets sent over there, which is supposed to be going to like these humanitarian missions and uh, I guess, you know, all, all kinds of a variety of programs. How much of it actually goes to those people? You know, I mean, what percentage of it is then funneled off into some sort of slush fund that is doled out to a variety of different corrupt individuals? You know, it, it wouldn't even surprise me if there was individual payouts being given to people. You know, you're involved in this dirty deal in Ukraine. So you're guaranteed to get your 10, 15, 20%. And then a certain percentage of the rest of it goes into a global super fund, which is then used to invest and, uh, and increase, capitalize that money and continue to make money off of it. And then it can be used for additional bribes additional payments, uh, and uh, even greater corruption on down the line. Well, there's also the issue of the election servers, which are there. And mm-hmm. the, and this is suggesting that Ukraine is a hub for not just our election fraud, but a hub for the global election influence and fraud out of the servers, which goes mm-hmm. back again to the money laundering piece, because one of the things with the Dominion process was the Dominion insurance policy, where you could buy that as a as a candidate to guarantee that you'd win. And that was something that was coming out of the Venezuelan connection. So this Mm -hmm. is a really, uh, Ukraine is a very big deal. And I, and I, as hard as I have tried to really tear Putin's operation apart, and I'm not, and not advocating for war, but I don't see him anything other than on the good side of this fight. No, I am completely in agreement with you. And I know that even among patriots that, think they're awake. I mean, they're going to hear people say that and they're just going to be angered by it. You know, war is, is held. It, it, I, you know, there's never really a good excuse for it. I mean, the problems by and large are between people at a really high level. They're things that can ultimately be solved without having to fire a single bullet. But when you've got this much money, this much power at play, they are perfectly willing to sacrifice as many citizens as they need to to ensure that they can continue on business as usual. And what the Russian army has done, you know, I mean, it's, it's about as noble a fight as you can have in a, a modern day wartime situation. As far as I'm concerned, Russia could have gone in and just crushed the Ukraine. They could have killed a lot of people, you know, and if, if you're just looking at simply the retribution part of it, let's say that, no, it's only about what the the army of, of Ukraine has done in uh, in the Donbass. You know, the number of people they've killed. You know, over ten thousand. I want to say it's like between thirteen and fifteen thousand since two thousand fourteen. Shelling schools indiscriminately, shelling civilian targets, shooting people who try to leave. Uh, you know, really heinous stuff. I saw a video this weekend too, where some Ukrainian soldiers dragged a Russian soldier out of a car and literally nailed him to a cross and set him on fire. Just about the, the most disgusting war crime you can possibly imagine. Horrific death. Even if it was just about retribution for the Ukrainian army's indiscriminate killing of innocent civilians for the last you know eight years or so, I could understand Russia deciding that they needed to do something about it. But I really do think that it has a much deeper connotation 
and all of those things that we mentioned. Uh, and then that cherry on top of knowing that those biological weapons facilities were there and the possibility of a Wuhan 2.0 erupting and something getting out that could specifically affect the Russian people. I mean, I don't think Russia had a choice, to be honest with you. I tend to agree with that. And I, I think this is one of these things of each side pushing to a point that I kind of have a standing theory right now, first of all, that with Canada, that they what they accomplished in unity and in the run on the banks was more than the deep state was ready to handle at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And in so doing whatever triggers were done on the other side, whether Putin was opportunistic at that moment or whether there was something done to precipitate his reaction that brought about the, the conflict that's happening in Ukraine. But there's also a much deeper side of this, which is very interesting to watch. We have the BRICS nations now literally starting to co- combine together. And of course, that's India, Brazil, China, South Africa, and Russia. And all of them are moving to a gold standard, which is very interesting. Today, they banned the trading of Russian gold, which I laugh at because that only benefits Russia. It doesn't benefit anybody else. And then you also have the general de- decline of the dollar. My personal opinion is we're seeing kind of this breakup of the petrodollar on a massive scale across the globe and it's it's going to create a contagion it's going to come right back here in big ways and in europe as well i agree with you and i think that uh america is really standing on the brink of total financial ruin you know if the petrodollar collapses then there goes the value of the american dollar um people are going to be holding worthless paper we're going to have a zimbabwean type situation here And the only way to avoid that is to also put the American dollar on a gold standard because if American currency is worth nothing nothing on the global stage, if if people won't accept it because it's worthless, there's nothing behind it, it's just oil, we're not even producing oil anymore, then the only way that we can give it any value is to put some type of physical commodities behind it. And going on the gold standard is quite frankly like the most obvious answer to that. Um, you know, that's assuming we still have gold. (laughs) I don't know if that's even the case anymore. Um, you know, but you know, to your point about, uh, you know, the timing of all of this, uh, you know, I mean, it, it does, it's, it, it's strange that it's happening so close to the midterms. Um, and I think that, uh, if we would have had, if we would have gone into 2022, November, 2022 with, the, uh, the election fraud system still fully in place. If Ukraine was able to continue to deliver in the way they had in the past, um, then, you know, there's a possibility that we might not see this sort of, you know, conservative resurgence, this red wave that I think a lot of people are hoping for. So there's a possibility in my mind that Putin might be thinking about what kind of government he actually wants here in America, uh, you know, come the end of the year. I mean, certainly when President Trump was in office, we had great relations with Russia. The United States economy was strong. Uh, We were, you know, great on the international stage. Sure, maybe the leaders uh, of countries didn't care for Trump, but I mean, he was forcing everybody to play the game in a completely different way. and, And by and large, everyone was benefiting. And now, uh, with Joe Biden sitting wherever he is, 
uh, certainly making decisions or directing people in a given way, uh, things have just gone to pot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's bad. And the rhetoric against Russia has just continued to ramp up and get worse and worse and worse. So, uh, you know, if I was a, a, a world leader like Vladimir Putin, uh, and I don't think that this is above the, uh, uh, the actions of a place like Russia, you know, I would certainly want to ensure that a leader or a government in, in the absence of a leader that was perhaps less likely to continue on with that rhetoric and endanger the security and financial and physical and otherwise of the country that I led, you know, I would definitely do what I could to ensure that uh, somebody else came in. Because if we do have a massive red wave and the Democrats lose whatever control they, they appear to have, then if Joe Biden is sitting there for the next two years, he's going to be basically completely neutered. And it doesn't matter what he's going to say about Russia or how Russia behaves. Because I think that uh, there's a lot of people out there, and certainly the America First Patriots who are running for office, they realize that this is all a ruse, and, and that you know Russia is not doesn't need to be our enemy. Russia can be a strong international partner, and the the, the lie about Russia is more about the Democrats maintaining the, the the system of power that they need in order to run their criminal enterprise more than it is anything else. I agree for the most part. The concern that I have with the elections is there's so many second rank, second tier deep state players still in play. I mean, yeah. I look at Virginia and that governor, and I'm I'm still really cautious about him because he's he was this he was a speaker at the WEF and the World Economic Forum. You don't get there without playing the game, and it's just not possible. Oh, yeah. I'm also looking a lot at you know, where we're going to see who's going to cover up who. And I, and again, this is not always a popular view, but I've watched a very pretty radical shift on the narrative about this injection with, with president Trump, who's now suddenly like, we need to be done with it. And it's like, okay, but there's accountability to how we got here. So there's a lot of questions that I have about the, the viability of our elections and what that actually means as we go forward. I would hope that you're right with the Ukraine issue, because it is a huge hub and a control element. The, the bigger problem is considering how far they went with President Trump's uh, the stealing of the election from President Trump. Um, they're, they're willing to do anything. And the biggest problem I find here is that while we have Flynn and others banging the drum to say vote in the biggest vote turnout in the ever that we've ever had, nobody is providing evidence that anything's going to be any different. And I don't know how else you're going to build confidence. Do you? No, I don't. And frankly, I have the same fears as you. Uh, I'm just cautiously optimistic because either it's going to be okay, Scott, or it's not, you know, and uh, we can do everything in our power to try to raise awareness and to try to, you know, engage the public and help them to keep our elected officials accountable, get as involved in the process as they possibly can. Um, but in the end, if they have the ability to subvert the system again and completely screw us over, I honestly don't know how we escape from that without a total teardown and rebuild of the, the system that we have right now. What that looks like, I don't know. But if everything about the game that we're playing is corrupt, then 
truly there's no way we can ever win at it because they're always going to stack the deck against us. And, you know, with uh, Virginia, absolutely, I am very cautious, you know, but the the only thing that I can say, I guess, is that uh, I would, I would rather, I would rather get to November and see what we can accomplish and who we can replace and uh, you know, what we can do in terms of trying to change the roster that we have right now. And if we get there and we learn that nothing changes, you know, then uh, the, the only thing that we can do is, you know, rise up in a sense after that, really. I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I don't disagree with you at all. I think that the biggest issue facing us is an, yet another layer of this, which is the corruptibility of these people with good intentions. And that drives me crazy because you get people that come in at least saying they have good intentions and it doesn't take long before their full level of corruption is, or they're corrupted within the system with the full power of the system around them. Oh yeah. And that ends up being a major issue, which again, that kind of gets to that element as as Q started from the beginning, which was looking at the depths of corruption, which was centered around blackmail, the child sex trafficking, those whole deep pits, which very interestingly are kind of on the fringe right now. They've been popping up randomly. The, um, we had Bill Gates' wife pop up the other day in an interview regarding uh, her, his relationship with Epstein, which is just, there's some random things starting to pop now. And it's, it would be interesting to see how these continue to evolve. Have you seen anything more on that? No, I just saw the initial interview and I thought that was um, uh, very interesting that she would come out and, um, and talk about that publicly. Um, I would love to see more of that. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, uh, no, no, that was really it. I want to go back to the Russian thing again and the money. They, they were blacklisted from Visa and MasterCard and PayPal, mm-hmm. which who pulled out. And what really surprised, I shouldn't say it shouldn't have surprised me, but I was, it's just one of these data points I look at and I'm like, wow, that happened fast. They shifted over to their new, new Mir system, and they also did that in partnership with China's Union Pay. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen overnight. So that tells me that a lot of this groundwork was laid by Putin and the Chinese to prepare for a break away from the Western system. The other thing is of, of note is that not one politician in the midst of all of this has said anything about China. And yet China, without China, Russia's in this fight alone. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I've thought since the uh, initiation of uh, the, the BRICS partnership that we were looking at a day just like this, that as soon as that took place, I, you know, I was just waiting for the destruction of the petrodollar. And, um, I, you know, it, it, I, I frankly wasn't surprised, um, because I've been, I've been looking for something like this for quite some time. And, you know, Russia's economy is not, I mean, it's a, it's a large country, you know, I mean, but it's not the size of the United States, but, China is really large. They are obviously strong partners. Uh, Russia has uh, you know, a lot of good exports they can put out there. And uh, you know, I, I think that showing the world that other large nations can exist without the monetary control of the United States is key to destroying the Federal Reserve here at home. And it's key to moving into 
a new economic system that um, replaces what we have currently. I, I, I think we're going to see more stuff like this. You know, I mean, how long is it before Russia and China both say that they're no longer going to be accepting American money at all? I mean, I'm sure Russia won't at all anymore, but as soon as China does that, I mean, what are we going to do about purchasing all of the, uh, the materials for goods we're producing? And what about the, 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 the parts that are produced in China that have to be shipped here to, to make phones and stuff like that? You know, all, all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of implications here. And when that happens, I think things are going to go at breakneck speed. And uh, the United States dollar is going to collapse in, in no time at all. It is really quite frankly, a paper tiger. It's interesting because one of the things that came out of the Biden administration last week, which was from the uh, energy secretary, it was an interesting statement. She said is that we are in a transition and we're moving away. We're looking for alternate energy sources, but we're moving away from oil and gas. Now I say that we obviously know that their objective is in a green initiative to force everybody into electric EVs to give the power and the control to the tech companies but on another level, this reminds me very much of Germany when they were realizing that their resources were going to be embargoed and they started to develop alternate fuels and even synthetic rubbers. So we're starting to see, I believe, the indications that they know that there's going to be no way to purchase fuel mm -hmm. because the petrodollar is collapsing. Yeah. And it's once and they've already made the initial agreements in the Middle East to move completely off the dollar. And I, I think the other thing that's worth remembering for people that are listening is that the dollar that we have is not the American dollar. It's a Federal Reserve currency that has been pivoted off of the price of oil. It has no value. That's why we call it a fiat currency. We lost our actual sovereign currency long ago. Yeah, I think they've been trying. Well, they've been looking for a reason to get us off of fossil fuels for some time, because I think they probably realized that this day was going to come eventually. I mean, you know, it, it, this has been a currency with really no purchasing power. Uh, we lose value every single year when they took us off the gold standard and moved us onto the petrodollar. It was one of the biggest mistakes uh, we, we could have possibly made. And, uh, you know, I, the only thing that I'm really worried about is, the length of time that it's going to take for things to stabilize here at home. And, you know, if they want, you know, there are certain aspects of so-called green energy that I'm completely behind. I think that we probably have technologies that are unacknowledged and that have been suppressed and that frankly, we don't need to use oil, gas, you know, uh, for, for everything. We could probably use a lot of other things, but the solutions they're trying to push on us, like, solar and wind are really unstable and not sustainable in their current form. And, you know, how, how long would it take to outfit every single uh, home in the United States with enough solar panels and uh, uh, backup batteries so that we could be sustainable and, and run our own power and feed the grid? Uh, I don't think that it would, I don't think that's feasible at all. I mean, it would take years. And there's plenty of places throughout the country where you don't have enough wind and you don't have enough solar. And so therefore you really can't do it with either of those. Um, we have some companies now finally that are looking at some novel uh, nuclear solutions uh, such as thorium salt reactors. Those can be scaled down for, you know, like neighborhoods or, you know, uh, one per city and they could feed, you know, many, many homes. 
you could even have an individual thorium salt reactor in your home and uh, they could install it and then have like a maintenance plan. So instead of paying for the kilowatt hour for the power they're sending you, you, you just pay for the annual maintenance of, of the unit to ensure that you're continuing to produce your own nuclear energy. But again, all of those things are going to take a really long time. And I'm pretty certain that the vast majority of solar cells and again, components inside those turbines for uh, uh, wind generation plants, I mean, they're produced in China, or at least they're sourced with materials that are from China. And if the dollar collapses, then who's going to sell us any of that stuff? Uh, I mean, the United States will have basically nothing to back up anything. And the only way that we can do that is if we choose something that is internationally recognized as valuable. You know, gold is right there. Federal Reserve dies. That's really what I'm hoping. Yeah, and I would only add that the only other option we have is to kind of tighten up and seal up, meaning really become a, a sovereign nation in the spe- in the respects of b- relying ourselves internally, giving that impetus to people internally to start regenerating an economy and not become dependent on the international anymore. I, I hope this lesson does settle in because the, the ease of, of purchasing things at Walmarts and other variety of stores, the corporate supply chain system and the model that was created for us to be codependent on a corporate public partnership has really brought us to our knees in this moment in time. One of the reasons you've heard me talk a lot about my push to this county by county program and beginning with one of the critical things is to get Patriot Gardens going, to get your own garden going for sustainability and food. How is your, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm totally with you. You know, I mean, like, you know, we are far too dependent on imports and there's just too many people out there today who don't produce anything on their own, you know, and they don't have the, the, the technical knowledge to, you know, even break down a piece of machinery. And a lot of stuff is overly complicated by design so that it can only be fixed by a professional uh, with, uh, you know, an advanced degree or training and whatever that specifically is. Certainly if, uh, I mean, we've seen what's happened in just the last couple of years with our inability uh, to produce silicon uh, processors so that we can uh, put them in cars or, um, you know, build computers, build graphics cards. Uh, You know, everything is in short supply. And your county by county initiative is awesome because it puts the reliability ultimately on the individual and their community. And I think that's also something that they have taken from us, moved us away from that has significantly impacted America in a negative way. People are so hyper individualized and and they're, they're isolated from each other, even though oftentimes they're closer than they've ever been in proximity. And you know, it's been a major detriment to society and you know, making your own food, producing your own food, uh, having the knowledge on, on how to, to keep a home going, you know, keeping animals, uh, you know, all of these things, they're essentially a lost art to a vast majority of the people here in this country. And it's definitely something that we need to get back. Well, food is going to be one of the biggest commodities going forward, and it could potentially be more valuable than gold. <clears throat> one of the things that I'm looking at here is, for example, the EU is the third largest or third biggest consumer of corn from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And Russia's shutting off all that trade. 
So it is interest as well as they shut off one of the major pipelines just yesterday, I believe. So there is almost, and this has been one of my concerns, is that this cabal is so deeply embedded in the West that if it's going to be pushed to the brink of collapse, it will produce a suicide element and scorched earth policy just to punish its people because that's how evil it is. What are your thoughts on that? No, I totally agree with you. And Russia also uh, turned off exports of fertilizer as well. And, you know, this is a major problem because we've depleted the natural nutrients in our soil in so many different places where food is grown, uh, you know, with, you know, aside from people who grow their food organically and who know how to replenish it and rotate crops and stuff like that. But absolutely, I think that they will try to make sure that as many people die as possible. Because, you know, in that instance, it's a win-win for them. You know, maybe they, they have some, uh, s- some pain among the people in the short term, but eventually those people just go away, and then the people in charge don't have to worry about them anymore, and they're going to be able to just restart society. Because I'm certain they have enough resources and food and stockpile to ensure that they're not going to go hungry. They're going to be fine. Uh, they've got their own, uh, you know, banks of, uh, of, of emergency stockpiles, uh, you know, and, and it certainly would be uh, not above them to do that with a, a level of malice and glee, uh, watching people starve and watching people tear each other apart, because they're probably going to be pretty far removed from the situation. I mean, this will get nasty among individual people if they haven't figured out who the real enemies are. One of the interesting things that happens is this responsibility that we have within our communities, because if we're not reaching out in our communities and trying hard to build connectivity, start to bridge past some of these divisions and starting to get, if you will, tribes going Mm -hmm. during this transition. And, you know, this transition isn't so different than what the Russians went through after Glasnost. They totally lost a lot of their infrastructure connectivity. Their, the, the government fell apart. The economy went completely bankrupt almost. You know, when Putin came to power, what we forget is that he has built a middle class out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And so there has been a com- complete reestablishment of the Russian position in the world. We haven't been through that yet. And he's, in that sense, his country is ahead of us on that path because he's already kicked out the central bankers. Yep. So it's going to be potentially. I, this is I've talked about this recently. The importance of us building a relationship and bridge with Russians. Mm-hmm. They can be our best friends. They can also be great allies in understanding how to get through this, mm-hmm. and really working together with that. And I I truly hope that we can because they are we are not that far apart. We are only told we are because of these dirt bags that run us. Yeah. No. You're you're, you're totally right. Uh, this is it's it's going to be a difficult lesson for Americans to to have to learn. But I think that in the end, it's going to strengthen everyone who's here and everyone who can make it, make it, make their way through it. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I think that Russia could be a tremendous ally. There is no need for us to be constantly in this state of heightened tension and believing that Vladimir Putin is our ultimate enemy. Um, You know, I, I think that, if the United States dollar collapses, if the United States government collapses, I mean, somebody out there in the international community is going to have to be there 
to, to lend a helping hand. You know, and if you look at the way that the Russians are approaching the Ukrainians, I mean, they're sending uh, 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 like rations and, and, and relief supplies and stuff. You know, I mean, they, they're not monsters. They're not just trying to kill the Ukrainians. I mean, they are looking at themselves as liberators. And in a manner of speaking, if they are able to do what I think they're trying to do, they could ultimately be the liberators of America as well. That's an amazing statement. And it leads me to kind of my final, this is, this is one of these you're going to roll your eyes at when I say it, but it's, it's worth just playing with. I've looked back at a lot of the Q posts and I've been having a fun time lately replacing the idea that Q was connected with Trump and putting Putin in its place. And it has spur, spurred on a very interesting consideration that this operation could have been run, and it's just purely speculative. I want to be very clear about this. And for the Q followers out there, if you're going to lose your mind, don't. This is a speculation. <laughs> but it, it is. It, it would be. It's fitting within a framework as we're starting to see this narrative unfold, where future proves past in the true sense that the person that would have the greatest benefit to running a program like that would have been Putin because he would have been able, I truly believe he has no desire to be enemies with the people. I think he truly has a despise for the deep state and the globalist bankers. And it would, they have the experience. They ran a program like this under, under Lenin or under the, under the communist regime. So, and it's well within the KGB's capabilities. So it's just something I throw out there. You can come on it, comment on it or not, but it's it, what you just said at the end of your last comment is so important is that he is interested in building bridges. He even said it just recently that there's no reason we should be enemies. And I think this is important for people to start considering how important this relationship is and what that offering is being made to the people, not to the dirt, not to this government we currently have. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can see how, uh, how you could read that into it, you know, but I, I, I go back to the, the post, you know, what if Putin and Xi are, are helping president Trump rid the world of, uh, of the deep state or the globalists. I can't remember what the exact words were, but, you know, there, there's just, there's too many things that happened that made me believe that President Trump was, you know, knowledgeable or at least read in in some fashion. And I think that the most likely scenario is that, uh, that, that they are, they were at least, and perhaps still are working with elements within our own government, good people who truly are patriots and who also want to rid the world of the deep state, which is so just in, deeply entrenched in our system. Uh, and, and, and they're doing it in the only way that they can, you know, I mean, this is a massive power play and, uh, you know, I, it, it was, it was great imagining that, uh, you know, the, the people of America would, would rise up and somehow kick out these, uh, these despots here in our own country. But, I think after watching what happened in November 2020, a lot of us realized just how difficult that would be without some level of intervention from another global power player, an incredible ally. I think Russia would be the, the perfect um, <laughs> the perfect one to step in and do that. Um, so yeah, I tend to think more that it is uh, an element of the anti-globalist within the, the world stage. And I certainly think Putin falls within that category. If you 
simply consider China's presence in the BRICS nations and their own kind of isolationist philosophies. And, you know, I mean, obviously they allow for limited contact for their own benefits. You know, they, they do allow for uh, American companies to come in and do business. They allow for trade, but they've done a lot that was based solely on what was best for them. You know, things like allowing an American company in to uh, create jobs in China. Sure, that's good for China, but ultimately, most of all, it's bad for the United States. And the only way that we could rid the United States government of these globalist scumbags would be for them to do something so selfish as to sacrifice uh, the, the welfare of the people of this country, I think, and for those people to just get tired of it. Because as long as things are good, you know, people are just going to sit back and allow it to happen. You know, I mean, think about how much of the 20th century things were steadily getting worse, but it just wasn't bad enough for people to really care enough to get involved or, uh, or to stand up and say something. I think it, I think it all has to come crashing down because otherwise there's no way we can build something new in its place. You and I share that exactly. And I totally agree. I mean, it's going to have yeah. to be some pain for us to all wake up. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges ahead. I, I think back to, I think it was in the spring of 2019 when president Trump met with the Irish prime minister. And though this may not be his original quote he nonetheless said it and it was never will so much be asked of so few by so many a great quote that i've just kind of mm-hmm. held to because we are literally there and we're starting to see this waking up especially with this latest stuff with pfizer and the vax information and then the the questionings of ukraine it's almost like putting people's head in a ping pong match and they're finally starting to go wait a minute wait a minute something's not right here and some of that desperation is going to lead potentially to some I think the deep state would hope that it's leading to violence and I would hope that we as a group as a movement can quell that with knowledge information and prayer and hopefully bring people together yeah I agree with you you know one more observation just you know how many times was in the post did it say you're watching a movie and I saw this post on 4chan earlier, and uh, in Ukraine, the chief of staff of the presidential palace, Andrei Yamark, is a comedy producer. The head of the presidential administration, Andrei Bodin, is a lawyer for the entertainment industry in Ukraine. The president's chief policy advisor, Sergei Shefi, is a comedy writer. Ivan Bakanov deputy chairman of the Ukrainian Supreme Intelligence Service, is the boss of a comedy film company. Senior advisor to the Ukrainian National Defense Committee, Sergei Savakov, is also a comedian and is Zelensky's partner in acting. And of course, Zelensky was a comedian and an actor who starred in a show about a viral president coming to power. So, I mean, mean, (laughs) that looks like there is a, a movie actively being produced in Ukraine right now. The entire government is made up of people with dual American citizenship and people who are members of the entertainment industry. So who knows? Well, no, I think you're right. I think this is, and I, it's crazy. And yet the one thing that's pretty evident is that they have controlled so many with the perception of truth and they have done. So they've taken a country which is the most heavily armed individual country in the history of man. 
That's excluding its military. And they have effectively disarmed the entire country using narratives of fear and narratives of anxiety and, and pacification methods of the propaganda. And no one's raised a gun. On one level, that's good. We haven't had violence, but no one has even resisted this. And it's all been done through the entertainment industry, which, as a final note on that, the CIA's U.S. hub and main office is in Hollywood area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Zach, where can everybody find you these days before we close with a prayer? Sure. I'm on Rumble. You can search for Red Pill News or at Red Pill 78. Same on BitChute. Same on Odyssey, Clout Hub, Pure Social, DLive, The Foxhole. But you can find all of those things, including my getter, Gab, uh, Trump, excuse me, Trump Social, Truth Social, uh, and Parler uh, on my website, redpill78news.com. But basically search at redpill78 anywhere and you can find me if I have an account. That's awesome. Well, Zach, we always close with a prayer. And if it's okay with you, I'll do a prayer. Absolutely. Go ahead. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this time we've had together to once again hear from just another great patriot in this in our nation, Zach, who's continued to be a fight fighter for truth and continued to bring truth and perspective to a very complicated time, a very divisive time, and a time just with swirling deception all around us. We want to thank you for all the work he's done, continue to bless him and continue to bless all the patriots that continue to listen and to pursue truth, to find that center point in all that we do, that common ground and that strength and that rock of faith so we can endure this together to continue to build fellowship and continue to build our strength as one. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Zach, I just want to thank you very much for coming on today. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Your knowledge is immense. It's a, it's a pleasure to hear that and i hope patriots continue to really grow your show and listen closely because we just don't have enough of that going on these days well thank you very much scott it's my pleasure to be here and uh, thank you to everybody in the audience as well i will have a blessed day and we'll talk soon you too brother all right patriots that was zach Payne from red pill 78 good friend and a great just a, a great narrative and and truth teller. So if you aren't following him, really you should. He's uh, he's doing a he does a great amount of work. His he does some really good media shorts um, over on on Rumble, and then he's just, just got a really good show. And I always respect how much Zach just really cares for people. It's just good, as you know, he was also at Bards Fest, which was awesome. I think he was one of the few from what I would say is like the real trenches, those trenches that uh, was there at Bard's Fest. A lot going on, a lot of interesting perspectives, and hopefully that helped in being able to put some pictures together. I don't think anybody has a full picture of what's going on. There's so much deception. The ranks and the rank and file, but the depths of these elites is immense, and they continue to play both sides of the coin. Controlled opposition is a major part of their game. And it's going to get deeper and deeper as we witness this. Things are going to get a little bumpy as we go forward. Biggest thing I always say, as you know, and I shouldn't say always, I think this has been my very current theme, is that we're going to get through this by working together, not separating apart. And that's going to require a lot of work on our part to bring people together, and I think we can. And we have the tools to do that. 
We were given those tools by Christ. So if we keep that in mind. One last thing, and I'm going to mention it again on tonight's show, but our mod, Bear, is a new granddaddy. And they had a beautiful baby. His daughter had a beautiful baby today, a little bit earlier today, and just a really amazing. And I, I just see those things as great blessings in a time when there's so much other stuff going on. Um, and to their credit, and I'm just going to share this little piece, and I'm not going to share any more, but they did a home birth, so it kept the child away from the hospital. So what a blessing that is. There's a lot of that going on right now, and I, I think that's God's way of just kind of directing us back to who we are. So wonderful thing. Um, I know Bear tried to swim in the in the birthing pool earlier the week, but he got kicked out. <laughs> it wasn't going to work, but he was he was willing to try. So that's good. So anyway, Patriots, thank you tonight. It was a good show. We're going to be on again here in about 30 minutes. Sorry for the late start tonight. I was out at the property and, and um, having some meetings out there today. So didn't get back until a little bit later. But anyway, thank you again. Have a very blessed night. Hopefully, hopefully I'll see you at Fisher's in about 30 minutes. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. Prayers right now, there's a lot of great things to pray for. And I just want to highlight this. God's opening our eyes to the depth of this evil, and we have a lot of choices to make, and we have a lot of challenges ahead. But when we have something like a birth today, and I know there's others going on that's not the only one, but those are blessings. And let's really honor those for the gift that God's giving us in bringing new life into this world, into good families, and knowing that they're going to be nurtured with an amazing amount of love and they're going to be part of a new world that we're part of rebuilding. And if there's anything hopefully that will carry everybody, it's that vision that we're forging something new and great for God's new children that are coming into this world. So God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always will win. But here's the deal. We do have some work to do. And we know what that is. We've got to occupy the land. We have to expand the kingdom. It's mission forward. I'll see you tonight, until then, or until the next time. God bless, and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. 
Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 